right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Adam Drovetta back with us. Derek Johnson. Hi. Here. Thank you for joining us after your what I assume was a peaceful day off. Did you go to a spa or anything? Did you make the most of it? I was an idiot. So I was planning. <laughs> let me tell you what a nice boss I have in Derek. I was like, I'm going to wait out the snow. I also have nice parents. My mom and my mom and dad are currently on vacation in California, in Northern California. And so um, my mom has an SUV. I'm not going to say what kind because um, no car companies give us money. And so she has an SUV, and it, it it's great. And she said, you can just go ahead and use mine while we're out since there's going to be snow. Perfect. So yesterday about noon, it finally stopped snowing in Gardner, and there's been about, it at about 3 a.m. the night before, there's, I don't care, I don't care if it's winter, oh, it's winter, we got to call it sleet. That was hail. Mm. It was a hailstorm. It was lightning and thundering. <laughs> that was a hailstorm. Anyway, so it's hailing. And there's however much sleet and ice, and then on top of that, it dumps. We got about 10 inches or so, 9 or 10 inches of snow in Gardner. So finally it stops. I text Derek. I say, hey, I'm on my way in. Um, I've got, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to wait till the actual snow quit fa- falling. And he says, don't don't sweat it. I've got so. Derek, thank you very much. Well, I mean, I, I had enough trouble just getting to work, and I live like was, five minutes away, yeah. and I even took my wife's car. It was four-wheel drive. It, it, was, it was a uh, mess. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate uh, that, Derek. And um, and and anyway, so last night, being the idiot that I am, look, and I'm so dumb. I mean, there was food there at our house. We had, I had soup, the perfect snowy mm. night meal. Yes, it is. I had soup, and I was like, nah, I'm going to go get a pizza. <laughs> so I go to get out, and my driveway was fine. What I hadn't taken care of was the fact that we live on the side of the road that the plows push everything towards. And look, I get it. I'm not... I don't think this is some big conspiracy against me that they're pushing the the snow my direction. I think it's just more efficient to pick one side. I think that's just a more efficient way to do it. I understand why they do it that way. I happen to live on the side of the street, and and, and that's something I have known for a long time and need to take in. So last night, I come out, but me being an idiot, I'm like, no, I got the SUV. I get it, and I'm stuck, man, and I'm stuck. And I didn't, my the car is in the garage, so I didn't put on a... A coat. So I thought hey, it's just in the garage. That won't be that cold. So I'm in a hoodie, no gloves, and I'm just trying to shovel this damn thing out. And it's up so high. Finally, I'm able to. And then what I did after I finally got out, I stopped. I hit the hazards. And then I shoveled an entire area where the car could just go straight into and not and not have to deal with the same thing when I'm coming back. I go pick up my pizza, which I was stupid for ordering in the first place because I had food at home. I get back. Our 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 driveway is um is a is, is, it's it's a steeper yeah it's a steeper it's one than even yours. Yeah. So ours is pretty steep incline, and there was the ice on it, 
And so what I have to do is we have, it's great. We have awesome neighbors. I back up into the neighbor across the street. I back up into their driveway, which is impeccably shoveled. She has a person do it for. Her. So I don't know if it's a snowblower or shovel. Regardless, it was impeccably clear. So I back up and I get really going. I have to fire off and, and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> like a BMX and then biker. I, exactly. And then I have to hit the brakes as soon as I catch as soon as I get off the ice and the front tire catches the, mm-hmm. the, the floor of the garage, because as soon as it catches that dry floor, it flies forward. So then I'll be ready for that. So it hits it, and I start flying. I slam on the brakes. I park it beautifully. Nobody was hurt. I was mad. science. But um, I got in and, and uh, hung out with the dog and put the fire on. So it, it wound up being cozy, but um, I paid... I was appreciative that I that I was able to stay home yesterday. I but I, I did pay the penance last night the by having mm. to shovel. Um, and I was so stubborn. I was like, I'm not. This isn't going to take very long. I'm not going to go get my coat and gloves. I'm just going to do it. And it took longer than I thought. So, but regardless, all I've got all my fingers. Well, that could be a good metaphor for some games we've seen from KU this season. You know, you you start off in the clear in the the other driveway, and then you hit the middle patch, and then. Uh, the end, you're trying to perfectly break it into the garage. We'll see what happens against West Virginia tomorrow. You can hear it here on KLWN, pregame 5.30, tip-off at 7 o'clock because with the way the KU has struggled closing some games of late, um, obviously in a game that you expect to be close in a game on the road, that could very much come into play. So it would be impressive if they were able to close things out, especially against a team that has done really well against KU on their home floor only twice has KU won at Oklahoma State and at West Virginia in the same season, 2012-13 and 2019-20. Every other year, every other year, um, they've lost to at least one of them on the road or sometimes even both of them on the road. 12-13 was the first year West Virginia was in the Big 12. Yeah. And the funny funny one about the one I remember really, the the odd one was 17-18. KU went to West Virginia – and snapped, I think, what was a three-game losing streak in Morgantown. It was K- more because Frank Mason never won okay. in Morgantown. So, K- so KU was down at half. So it was a four-game losing mm-hmm. streak. Um, so uh, KU was down at half, and uh, Devontae Graham, because they kept showing his mom and grandma, and they were going nuts, and Devontae Graham caught fire in that mm-hmm. second half, and KU ended the losing streak in Morgantown. One. But that happened to be the year that – even though I don't even think they made the tournament, Oklahoma State just had our number. It yes, had KU's number yeah. and swept them in the regular season. You know, West Virginia is, you know, they don't press as much. They don't do the press Virginia as much, but they do on occasion. They they do like to create a lot of havoc, and they do force a lot of turnovers this year. So that's uh, a little normal. Obviously, we saw them earlier in Allen Fieldhouse, and that was a game that was ugly in the first half. KU was down for a lot of it. Uh, we actually saw maybe the first glimpse in conference play of, of Joey Esfu extended minutes. And then um, KU just broke it open in the second half. And that's the thing. If you can take care of the ball against this team, especially for KU, a team who thrives in transition, mm-hmm. that's the result. They're truly terrible mm-hmm. in offense. Yeah. West Virginia is. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's really a couple things that West Virginia, I mean, West Virginia overall strong on the defensive end, but the main thing is they force a lot of turnovers. Um, like you said, they are not good on offense. So when they get behind, if you're able to score the basketball, they can't really keep up. They are really bad at shooting it. And the other thing they do really poorly, they are terrible at grabbing defensive rebounds. So to be exact here, 
West Virginia is 10th in Big 12 play and 295th in the country in two-point percentage. So they don't make easy buckets. They're also 265th in the country from three, where they are shooting just 31.9%. Now, part of that, Taz Sherman was hurt for a few games. Maybe it goes up a little bit, but how much better is it really going to be, right? It's not was, gonna... he, was he hurt? Remind me. Was he hurt at the Allen Fieldhouse? No, he, I mean, he might as well was because uh, he was I mean, I don't very think he limited. scored. I don't think he scored. I think he had zero points. If he did score, it was very low. Um, KU shut him down. You would uh, have to at least anticipate, because he's a good player, mm-hmm. you would have to anticipate him being at least better tomorrow. Especially at home. Than he was in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. This is the kicker for me, though. As far as the rebounding, I mentioned they are really bad at getting defensive rebounds, which, again, KU has been, like, really— This has been one of Bill Self's best teams, ironically enough, in getting offensive rebounds. Um, There are only 10 teams, 10 in the entire country. I mean, I I was looking at the list. This includes, like, the teams that are worse than them. It's like Southeastern Louisiana, Alabama State— only 10 teams are worse in the entire country than West Virginia at defensive rebounding rate. I'll say this. I was at um, at Big 12 Media Days during kind of the, after they're all on the podium, they have mm-hmm. the little scrum that's about 15, 20 minutes where it's just the, the players and then it's just the coaches sitting there. And I was over talking, and I wasn't um, just me, but it was a scrum of media talking with Bob Huggins, and he said, you know, I really we're we don't have much size this year, and and I mean he kind of I think he the didn't Oscar Sheboy transfer. He, he didn't right? say anything about rebounding or defensive rebounding specifically, but you, you he was, I think he and I don't know if he anticipated it being this bad, but you can tell he he really was not um, high on the their stock when it came to their front court. I mean, yeah, the front court has has been an issue for them, and like I mean. You lose Oscar Sheba. Just think about how much that would change things for both Kentucky and West Virginia. Um, but as I mentioned with Kansas, like offensive rebound rate, Kansas is 24th in the country. They are first during Big 12 games in offensive rebound rate. So right away, because that's something that, you know, you can be a great three-point shooting team. You can be the best in the country. You don't always know how that's going to do each and every game. And, and theoretically, everything is because we're humans. You don't know how everything's going to go. But even great three-point shooting teams have nights where they go five of twenty-two. Or yeah, something right. It it it's a little more sustainable. The rebounding numbers, right? To where that's something that I feel like West Virginia being a bad defensive rebounding team, KU being a good offensive rebounding team that should travel and should pair well in Morgantown. They haven't like switched it up to a zone this year, have they? Because I like I know they don't typically play zone. Um, but like, for example, I know Duke a few years ago switched up to a consistent two, three zone because, you know, Krzyzewski felt it. And that was the team that Kansas beat in the mm-hmm. elite eight. So occasionally, anyway, the reason I ask is, is there's an adage and I'm sure it's backed up by some level of statistics, but there is an adage that a two, three, one of the vulnerabilities of a two, three zone is that, is it makes you worse as a defensive rebounding team. Um, because you don't have one guy to go. Oh, he's my guy. Two box yeah, out. Box out. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I, I hadn't. I I didn't remember them playing zone in Allen Fieldhouse. I haven't watched them super close the rest of the year. But I. That's crazy that they're so bad. I know. Again, because that's that's a school you think like that is part of defense. And and this is I, I guess honestly amazing that West Virginia is even a top forty defense by adjusted def- efficiency because of the fact that that is closing out the possession. 
I mean, if they were just like an average rebounding team, they might be like a top 15 defense. If they were a good rebounding team, they might be a top 10 defense. You think in a way that's helping them because they're then giving themselves <laughs> they're giving themselves more half-court possessions to force a missed shot on? Yeah, I guess it lowers the percentage everybody's condensed in. But you know what that means? It means a big possible game for David McCormick. And, you know, I think anytime you talk about Dave and – the context of previewing a game or looking ahead to a game, there's always that notion, there's always that caveat that it's a little scary that you're relying on David McCormick or that one of your biggest areas of strength in the game, one of the biggest opportunities that you can exploit is with a guy who, when he's been good, he's been really good, Mm -hmm. but he's just been inconsistent. But I do think, looking back, ever since the Kentucky game, there hasn't really been that game of inconsistency. We, go ahead. Over the the last five games, so these are the five games since Kentucky, he's averaging 12.5 points per game on 56% from the field. He's averaging nine rebounds per game. He's averaging a block and a half per game. Yeah, and that, and sorry I cut you off there a second ago, but I think the biggest thing for him, and, and we discussed this I think two or three days ago, the biggest thing for him is for McCormick is how hot his his floor seems to have raised. Mm-hmm. That he he's not that his his difficult or or if you want to call him disappointing, whatever you want to call him, his down games are more like nine and six, eight and six. It's not zero and two, you know, or two and one. You know, it's not anything like that. That his his down games are still games in which you're getting something out of him, and I think that that should lead to a lot of hope that he he's not playing consistent you know like those 17 and 15 games or seven even the you know 17 and 12 games they're not coming super often he's shown an ability to do it depending on the matchup but they're not coming super often but I think what's super important is that okay you you, maybe you're not going to rely on him for 18 and 10 every night or 18 and 8 every night but you do know you can, at this point, at least over the course of the last five games, um, you know you, you don't think they're getting, you're getting much less than nine and five. Mm-hmm. And that floor thing is such a big part of the conversation because then it does become more of a well now we can expect it as opposed to just hope that it's going to happen and hope that it's a good game. To your point, there were games earlier this season. He had three points against North Texas, three rebounds against Dayton. He had five points on two of six shooting, five rebounds against. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, he had two points, although I think he got hurt that game, um, but he still played 10 minutes and only had two points, that was, no rebounds. That was the game that I kept watching. Um, why on earth, toward the end of the first half, I was like, why on earth is Mitch Lightfoot still in this game? Because he was That's what it was. He was huffing and puffing mm-hmm. toward the end of that first half. He only had four points in the road game against Texas Tech. He had 1.4 rebounds in the home game against Iowa State. He only had six points and four rebounds in the road game against Oklahoma. So, like, as we mentioned, the, the Kentucky game, he had three points, one rebound, and 16 minutes of play against Kentucky. But since that point, as I mentioned, 12 and a half points, nine rebounds, block and a half. But to your point, on the no bottoms out or, or kind of the higher floor games, excuse me, um, his low for points in the last five games is nine. His low for rebounds is four, which was the OU game where he only played 18 minutes and was stretched away from the brass basket because of Tanner Groves. Besides that, his low is is seven rebounds. So 
I think you look at the way that West Virginia is terrible at getting defensive rebounds, the way that KU has done really well at getting offensive rebounds, and the way that David McCormick is starting to progress into a more consistent player, and I can't help but think this is going to be a big game for David McCormick, and if it's a big game for David McCormick, one of your more inconsistent players, and you know you have other consistent players like Ochai and Christian Brown and the way Jalen's playing, that has to make you feel good even though you're going to a place where Bill Self has his worst uh, road record in Big 12 play. Yeah, and I, I also think something part of that has to do with the fact that West Virginia has also been pretty good in most of the years mm-hmm. that they've been in the Big 12. I mean, Bob Huggins is... Um, has he gotten into the second all-time, or is he still at third? Regardless, he's one of the three winningest coaches in the history of, of men's Division One basketball. Um, he's going to the Hall... I, he may already be in the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame caliber coach. If he's not already in it, he should be. Um, so I think part of it is just something of a lot of those times, yes, the, the, the environment matters because they're a, a rabid, very excited fan base. Um, but I also think it's just you're playing good teams on the road. And that doesn't mean that, oh, because West Virginia is worse than normal this year, Kansas is going to walk in there and win by um, you know 30 like they did in Allen Fields. I don't think that'll happen. But I do think there's something to be said about is it Morgantown itself or is it just one of those things where a lot of those years you were just playing a good team on the road? Yeah. I, I look at this game overall on paper, the fact that West Virginia can't shoot, the fact that there is that rebounding advantage, the fact that if KU just breaks the press, which, you know, KU has had some turnover issues this year, so that could be an issue. Particularly against the press. Yeah. I, I look at all that, though, and, and how the first game went, and it's hard for me not to think that on paper this shouldn't be a KU win, but, but you know, that's that's why they play the game. It's a juiced crowd, Saturday night. What happens if Taz Sherman goes out there and, and lights it up Sean early? McNeil, that's the thing. If, if they're juiced and, and they're hitting shots like Taz Sherman and, and Sean McNeil, combined for 40 points because they're hitting all kinds of shots and something that normally West Virginia isn't good at, like the shooting, is taken over by those two guys, then yeah, West Virginia can win the game. And a huge part of that's going to be how how would K, how will KU respond if that happens? How will KU respond if, if buckets start falling and the crowd's going insane and all of a sudden, you know, it's, you know, 30 to 18 West Virginia and their crowd's going nuts and they've hit some shots and they're playing at a level they're not accustomed to playing at, how's KU going to respond to that? Mm-hmm. I'll ask you this, and this doesn't necessarily mean much because, you, like you said, you still have to play the game, and, and the the road crowd is very important to consider, um, and those two players are capable of going off. Would this Would anything about this game worry you if it was anywhere besides Morgantown? No. Not to say that the fact that it's a Morgantown means nothing because mm-hmm. that does mean something. But like I, I so that's I, I come back to that like just I agree on paper. Like if this was a Big Twelve tournament game, this, no. yeah, you you think okay they you know they should win this game yeah. Um, but again, you know it, that's it'll be very interesting. I, I hope that that doesn't ever have to you know we don't have to learn one way or the other. I would like KU just to go comfortably and Adam. But if it, it if you get into a situation where Taz Sherman is 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 canning shots and they're making shots they're not used to making. And all of a sudden, you're you find yourself down twelve or fourteen in the first half, and the crowd is going insane. How do you respond to that? Mm-hmm. KU's been pretty good on the road, so uh, we'll see. Uh, CJ Moore is going to join the show in about fifteen minutes from right now. Coming up next, though, we got to get to our Rock Chalk Pickahawk and our daily poll. You're listening to RCST on FM one hundred one seven and thirteen twenty KLWN. Depend on it.
Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. CJ Moore joins the show in about 10 minutes from right now. Um, quick update on our daily poll from yesterday. It was, uh, should Perry Ellis get his jersey retired in Allen Fieldhouse? 48% said yes, 39 said no. 13 were undecided. Oh, okay. I was thinking, yeah. wait a minute. Was, I hope there was a third option. I, I I said this yesterday. I think to me, I, it's I a don't lot. know how it's not a yes. Yeah. Two first team all Big 12s. Only reason he didn't win Big 12 Player of the Year was because Buddy, Buddy Hield was in the conference. He had another year where he was all Big 12 third team. So that's three years of all Big 12. Um, he was second team consensus All American. And on top of that, he's top 10 all time at KU in the scoring list. And he's, you know, Devontae Graham fouling out possibly from final on a four. weird call from a Final Four. I, I also, I don't know, I, I come back to the the old story. Part of it was because he was balding, but also a lot of the reason people said, man, he's played at KU for a million years is because the only time anybody contributes in their freshman year, they leave early. And, and Perry Ellis obviously wasn't an NBA caliber player, but he he's part, in the one and done era to have a guy who contributes every year from their freshman year to their senior year is super rare, and he did exactly that. Two All Big Twelve first team man. That's the list of Kansas basketball players who have done that mm-hmm. is is a short one. Like okay, I I'll be clear. Like I I think Keith Lankford should have his jersey retired, but the amount of people that have said that Keith uh, ahead of Perry, Keith never made a first team All Big Twelve. Perry made two. You know, so again, I like I think both Keith and Perry should have retired. I'm not trying to make that an argument or a discussion that only one should get in or anything. I'm just saying, like, if you're very adamant that Keith should get in, you should also be adamant then that Perry Ellis should get in because of his career. Uh, the daily poll question today: Would you rather KU goes and assuming that either way, in either of these scenarios, they're winning the Big Twelve outright? So it's not a question of outright or split. Would you rather them go 14 and four in Big Twelve play? Four and two the rest of the way, that would mean, but you sweep Baylor as part of it, or go fifteen and three, but your one loss is to Baylor. Um, I don't know. I would now with that question being because I would say I would if you wanted to I I would take the fifteen and three right now, because right now when you asked me that the other day, it was before the Texas Tech Baylor game and and um uh, but right now, since fifteen and three guarantees you winning the conference outright. Um, I'll take that. Yeah, that's so tough because sweeping would, Baylor would be a lot it'd be, of fun. It'd be fun. But honestly, I think I'd take the 15-3. and three. You want the extra wins. I don't know. The Baylor loss wouldn't be a bad that's one. That's the thing. Whoever, if, like, if, if you're if, taking the Baylor sweep, that means that you're means having you're, to take two more losses. You're taking two losses that you're like that aren't going to be very good losses. No, they're either. not going to be fun, right? Yeah, you've got one... It could be West Virginia and you've got, TCU. You've got one loss the right. You've got one game the rest of the year that you're looking at going. Okay, well, if Kansas loses, you know that's a fine loss. Mm-hmm. It's a road 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 loss to a really good team. Um, See, so yeah, I would I would way more take that. Okay, so you can vote on that at RCST thirteen twenty. We got to get to our rock chalk pick a hawk. I am up ten to six right now. Woof. You have the first pick for the game tomorrow. 
I'm I'm gonna say Ochai Baji. I'm you know it really is nothing. a lot more muddled now with yeah, who you know, take at with the, top, the way right? with the way people have jumped lately. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Ochai. Um, I think especially when you factor in he he's not the rebounding machine that some of the other guys are. But if if I mean he could he's shown an ability to get rebounds, and West Virginia is not a particularly good rebounding team, so he could up those numbers tomorrow. And if Kansas gets multiple um, uh, offensive rebounds, then presumably Ochai will get multiple, you know, will get more opportunities than to score. So give me Ochai. All right, I'm going to do something that I might regret, but YOLO. Uh, I'm going to go Jalen Wilson and then David McCormick. I'm going to take them because of the rebounding. Those are your two primary rebounders. I think you're going to be able to rack up rebounds in this game. Also, if you can break out of the press and get into transition, you know, Jalen's great in transition. So I will take Jalen and David McCormick, even though it pains me that I let Christian Brown fall to you at the next pick, and he probably will have more points than anyone. Yeah, because of the transition aspect and and the potential of doing well in transition, I'm also going to go with Christian Brown. Um, I as well not also I am going to go Christian Brown. I'll take him too um, if I can. No, yeah, <laughs> uh, I I was uh, that was the player. I mean, look, Jalen. When I thought of, about Ocha, I was like, you know what? He's taken two between Ocha or between um Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, and David McCormick, and I I couldn't think of one for whatever it's worth. I couldn't think of one that I wanted more. Like I could really talk myself into any one of those three. I would have been happy to have mm-hmm. as the fourth pick. So I think you did really well, um, but I, I, I'm ha- I'm really happy to have Christian and Ochai because I I don't know that anybody since we started this thing has no. had Christian and Ochai on their team. We'll see if it works out. Who is uh, your next pick? Um, let's see. I'm gonna give me Golden Boy. Give me Zach Clements. Hmm. It's the highest Clements has been taken. Um, I'm I'm, I'm starting to already have Rob Byers remorse, but. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm gonna go Dewan Harris. Yeah, that's where I was leaning. Yeah, I oh gosh, it just, it just occurred to me how much more assists are worth. Bummer. Oh well, I'm gonna take Joe Yesfu as well, so I can get both point guards with the press and with West Virginia pressuring, forcing turnovers. You're gonna need another ball handler. We saw Joe play 22 minutes last game. I think he gives you you know 15 to 25 minutes or something like that in this game as well. So I'll take the two guards. That leaves you with your last pick. You could go Jalen Coleman Lands, who's coming off a game which he missed. With a migraine, you could go Bobby Pettiford if they want another guard. You could go Mitch Lightfoot, uh, KJ really, Adams. I really boobed this up. Return of I? Remy Martin? Question mark. No, I, I'm going to take Mitch Lightfoot. Oh, I boobed this up so hard. <laughs> Gosh dang it! I would. Because uh, <laughs> I could have taken. I could have had Dewan, and you probably wouldn't have even taken Clements. I would have gone Joe and Mitch. So I would have had them both. Golly. Um, I'll Do you take, feel worse about that or the cannoli pick? I'll never feel bad about the cannoli. But it's freaking cannolis, man! It's the I don't I don't like I said after that. I, I'm I'm kind of an odd, kind of offbeat kind of character, so it doesn't surprise me that people looked at my Super Bowl platter and went, "What the hell?" But I, cannolis are amazing. Have you ever eaten a cannoli? Yeah, they are delicious. Golly. Um, but anyway, uh, no, this was I, – I stand steadfastly that I would love that Super Bowl spread that I drafted. This one I'm not thrilled about. I, I screwed up. That'll be funny but if you I'm just going Mitch. out. Uh, okay, so Mitch Lightfoot, your final pick. You have Ochai, Christian, Zach, and Mitch. I have Jalen Wilson, David McCormick, Dewan Harris, Joe Yesfu. That is our Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll let you listen in to CJ Moore of The Athletic talking KU basketball, college hoops, and so forth. This is RCST on KLWN. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN and KLWN.com. Joined now by CJ Moore of The Athletic and a big hit to the Big 12 race for the Baylor Bears when they lost Jonathan Chamochachua, then they lose to Texas Tech. Now everything's in front of Kansas, two losses, uh, whereas Tech and, and Baylor both have four but this weekend, I, I think, is is going to be really important. I mean, they always are. But KU playing at West Virginia, a game or, or a place, rather, where Bill Self has his worst road conference record. And then um, in the case of Texas Tech, you're coming off that big win. You're playing at Texas. I feel like we're going to get a, a pretty good idea of where this thing is going and whether it is just all Kansas to the finish line or if maybe things could get a little closer because KU still has to play at Baylor and some other tough games. But CJ, uh, as you look at the Big 12 right now, what do you think is the magic number to winning the Big 12, just getting a share? What do you think the magic number is to winning the Big 12 outright? Uh, I would say 14 and 4 is outright. And probably thirteen and five as a share. Yeah, see, I think it's I I think it's tough because after the Tech game and they're beating Baylor, I think it's very easy to look at the re- remaining schedule and just go, well, man, if they can win at Texas, which I don't know, I've I've heard some things that there's going to be a lot of Tech fans there that I don't know how much of a home court environment it'll be. You know, the rest of the games after that, there's there's none that you really circle, maybe at TCU, and you say that, yeah, that's a big trip-up opportunity, that if they win on Saturday, I, I could see them getting their way to 14-4, and four, which I, I guess that's why, to me, the, the West Virginia game for KU is so important, because right now, I feel like if if you had to just predict what KU finishes, like I, I personally am going 14-4, and four, but if you told me they're going to win Saturday, not necessarily that I'm picking to lose Saturday, but because of just it's one less game, it's one less road game, I think I'd take them at 15-3 and three at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, West Virginia, they always suck there, but West Virginia's bad. Like, and it's going to be West Virginia's Super Bowl. Um, but the Mountaineers, like, their their front court's terrible. Um, they've got two good scores. And, um, I mean, KU was really able to neutralize Taz Sherman last time. Out. I don't think he was himself that game but um you know they could they can lose that game i think baylor is going to be really really tough to win um let's say that's that's an l for kansas and then probably one of the last three you would think maybe they you know maybe they drop one to tcu but um i think they could very well sweep tcu and then um they never lose on senior day right like Mm -hmm. eventually that streak's going to end but they never do so (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they're, you're right. If they beat West Virginia, like they're going to be in a very, very, very good spot, especially if Texas Tech loses. And I think Texas Tech is the, I felt like Texas Tech was the biggest threat about, a, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I've felt that way. Um, and I'll tell you that what, like the game that the night of one Kansas, the big 12 title outright might be Oklahoma winning against Texas Tech. Like that, that was a big loss for, for Tech in, in terms of, you know, whether or not the Red Raiders were going to at least try to get a share of this thing. Well, it's crazy, too, if Ochag Baji doesn't hit that crazy shot against Tech. It's it's tied right now, and 
Tech would be done with Baylor in, in Kansas, and Kansas would still have Baylor. As far as the Saturday game against West Virginia, as you mentioned, West Virginia has very much struggled in Big 12 play. There's only 10 teams worse than them by defensive rebounding rates. So it's certainly something you'd expect KU to exploit, and West Virginia doesn't really shoot well from two or three. But what does it look like? What is the recipe for West Virginia pulling off this upset? How, how would you envision that going around 9, 9.30 when you look back on it and go, well, that's why they were unable to win in Morgantown? Super sloppy game. KU turns it over a bunch. Uh, Tash Sherman and uh, Sean McNeil have really, really good games. Maybe one other guy steps up and has a good game for West Virginia. And David McCormick is bad and just not much of a factor. That's that's probably the recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you view to be, at, at this point in season, more of a big-picture thing, the biggest threat? or lack of something KU does that you think could prevent them from making a Final Four? And I guess on the flip side of that, what aspect of the team do you think should provide the most confidence that they can go far? Uh, I think, you know, the the worry is the five spot. Like, and, and it's kind of silly to say that because, like, if you look at David McCormick's conference numbers, he's actually had analytically a better conference season this year than last year when he was terrific right he's just you know way less usage rate but he's he's rebounding the heck out of the ball uh he's been pretty efficient in his opportunities um he's shooting the at the free throw line 82 and a half percent um over conference play that's really really good so he's been pretty good but there have been times this year where he kind of disappears or he can't play you know for some reason he doesn't play very many minutes and I think Zach Clement's coming on stronger is, is, is a good sign and, and could be helpful because they're just not quite as good when, when Mitch Folight puts on the floor, especially against a big, like, legit front court. So I think, you know, that's probably a concern. KU's defense and the fact that it hasn't been maybe to the standard is a concern, although, although I do think it's been better lately, and I think it has the ability to be pretty good. Um, and then, you know, like, if, if a team's got a big point guard – uh, that can maybe overpower Dewan Harris in the way that, like you know, as crazy it was, like the the guy that that won the Texas Tech game for uh, at Tech for them was was probably the um, gosh, I'm, I'm yeah, the guy who was starting because uh, Nadolny, Nadolny, yeah, there yeah. you go, yeah, he was like Clarence Nadolny, he was like a nothing player, but he could just overpower Dewan, right? Like so. Matchup dependent, I think could you know that could be something that gives KU problems in, in the tournament if somebody's able to exploit that. But um, on the flip side, I think what's what's good about Kansas is you know those those three wings on the perimeter. Not many not many teams can match up with them. I think when Kansas plays with pace, not just pace getting up and down, but pace in its offense, and really gets those guys going downhill and making plays for each other. Um, and KU's offense is one of the hardest guard in the country. And, uh, you know, when David, David's doing his thing, offensive rebounding and, you know, adding the occasional post up jump hook, um, it's a, it's a really, really complete team on the offensive end. So, um, those are the reasons that like, you know, if KU gets hot, it's going to be like those three wings playing well, um, Dave McCormick being, being solid and being able to stay on the floor. Yeah. The pace in the offense thing is really interesting to me because, I think of like, you know, when you're when you're warming up taking batting swings before you go up to bat against the pitcher, you're putting on the the little donut or whatever, the thing that adds the weight to the the bat and, and there's a part of me that wonders 
if Big 12 play for KU, specifically on the offensive end, where you're playing all these good defenses, where you're also playing a lot of teams that maybe slow the tempo down a little bit more, if once they get to the NCAA tournament, it's going to be like that moment when you take the donut off the bat and then you're swinging at full speed again. Yeah, that's not bad because the Big 12 defenses are ridiculous, right? Like some of the best defenses in the country. Um, you know, you, on the flip side, you could say in the NCAA tournament, like the game's always going to slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and it's going to be a possession by possession game. But I do think this team can score efficiently in the, in the half court. I think it has gone through some, some, you know, tough spurts where it's str- struggled over little stretches of games. But when you look at KU's, um, you know, in conference efficiency, it's almost two points better than, than the next team. So, um, the offense has been pretty good for for this league. It's 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 almost like like, like you said, it's like they're 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 trying to swing a bat with an extra weight because of the way these these defenses. I mean, you look up and down the league, and defensive wise, it is you've got the number three defense in college basketball, the number eight defense in college basketball, the number ten, the number sixteen. The number seventeen, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> the lowest one's K State at thirty nine. So um, it's it's a pretty good defensive league. You mentioned Zach Clements um, in your answer before that one. Uh, does Joe Yesifu and Zach Clements emerging as as rotation players? Does that change the ceiling of this team enough to maybe offset potentially either just not having Remy Martin or not really knowing what you're going to get from him? It helps. I, I think you have to have a guard that you can get, you know, ten to to fifteen minutes at. Um, not having a bench isn't the the biggest deal. Sometimes, like that, we make it out to be like, you know, it's good to play your best players a lot <laughs> in the games. Like you want that. So, um, but I I do think they need at least one other guard that's dependable. Um, so having that in Yesifu hopefully is is a good thing for them. And then, um, yeah, like, you know, David McCormick, he can't play 35 minutes. Like his body, I just don't think his body's suited to that. Um, and, you know, there's matchups that are really bad for Mitch Lightfoot sometimes. So so Zach Clement stepping up there and him having just a big body that, that can bang against other big teams, that's that's a good thing. How many teams would make your top-tier list of national title contenders, and would KU be in that uh, grouping? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I think uh, it's a little bit bigger than, like, let's say it might have been a year ago where it probably would have been, like, four or five teams maybe, and really two that particularly stood out last year in Gonzaga and, and Baylor. I think it's probably in the, like, eight, nine-ish range this year. And... uh I, I would put Kansas probably near the bottom, you know, in that group is is a uh, is a title contender. Maybe near the bottom, maybe the middle. About that group, well, well you know, it, it depends on the day you ask me. But um, <laughs> I think they're trending in the right direction right now. The NCAA tournament committee is is releasing their top sixteen tomorrow with the top four seed lines and everything. I, I don't know if this is something that you're generally curious on, but is, is there a team? You're kind of most interested to see uh, where they're valued by the tournament committee. Uh, maybe Houston. Like Houston's really high in the metrics, but has no quality wins. Really, um, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, they probably won't be on the first four lines, so we won't necessarily get to see where where they'll put Houston. But like Houston seven at Ken Palm, I think pretty high in the net too. 
but I, I don't look at these things on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, I just I, try to watch the games and study the teams. But um, you know that that one might be interesting, um, and I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with the top two lines because uh, I mean I think there's a lot of teams that are still in contention for a one seed. Yeah, a hundred percent agree there. I, honestly, the team I'm most interested in outside of you know what happens with the one seeds is, is probably Providence, where it's like. You have, yeah, that's a great I mean, these computers do not like them. They're winning all these close games, although they finally lost, a, I think, a five-point loss to Villanova. Uh, either way, two-possession mm-hmm. loss. Um, what are your thoughts on Providence and this whole idea of, well, they keep winning, but they're not winning very big games to make like the computers and, and metrics think that this is a great team? They're probably somewhere in between the, where they're, people that are high on Providence and say, Hey, they're winning all these close games. Like that's a skill. And they're pro- and where and the other people on the flip side, the, the Jesse Newells of the world, who <laughs> <laughs> say their computer numbers are their computer numbers for a reason. They're probably somewhere in between those, those two extremes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it's a good solid team. It's probably a, a top 20 ish team in college basketball. Um, but I don't think that it's like a top 10-ish team in college basketball, which if you just went by the win-loss record and, and what the wins are, um, would probably you know demand that they'd be in the top 10. We're talking with C.J. Moore of The Athletic, and, and C.J. just wrote a really good piece in The Athletic about Wyoming's head coach, and they, they've had a fantastic season. Mountain West has been really underrated this year, but uh, I think what's most interesting about um, what they've done there is how often they're posting up in a modern game where, you know, that's been lost a little bit uh, to a certain extent. Is that is that kind of like the new money ball where it's like finding the, I guess, market inefficiency and we're going to zig when other people zag? Are you expecting to see maybe the return of the post game if this uh, uh, becomes more popularized? Well, I don't think post game has necessarily gone away in college basketball. I think there's still a lot of teams. I mean, like if you look at the best teams in college basketball, like Purdue posts up a ton. And Illinois is posting up a ton. Like, there are still really, really good teams that post up a lot. Um, I think one of the things that Wyoming has figured out is, okay, well, you know, he built his offensive end around two really, really good players that that was their best skill. And one, the one thing that they do that you could not have done a few years ago in college basketball is they'll have their big guys – it's not entering the ball into the post from the perimeter. It's just giving them the ball and letting them back their man down. And that's something you couldn't have done a few years ago when there was a five-second rule um, when the dribbler could only have the ball for five seconds, right, being closely guarded. Like, so that's, that's maybe the um, thing that he's figured out. They're like, oh, you can, you can do this, and it's legal now. And that's a very effective tool. So I think that's the thing. But um, Jeff Lenders is the type, but like he's going to figure out what his team's good at and, and go to that. So you know, next year he could maybe lose those two guys and not be posting up at all. He is CJ Moore. Check out all his work in the Athletic. Worth the subscription alone. CJ, before we let you go, one last thing with my producer and co-host Adam Dravetta. All right, CJ, one last thing: Should they go back to venue-specific floors during the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think I like that. I agree I, completely. I, I don't. I don't love the uh, let's just make everything the same. You know, have a little creativity. I so, love it. Yeah, yeah with that. each one their own venue, and then the final four, you get the really fun little design at the at that floor. 
Exactly. It's New Orleans this year, so let's uh, you know spice it up with a little New Orleans flavor. There Beautiful. We go. He is CJ Moore. Check out all his work in the Athletic. CJ, thank you for the time as always, man. All right, thanks, guys. All right, that is CJ Moore of the Athletic. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravet. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, one and a half to go. We're out early today. High school hoop city showdown. Free State, Lawrence High, girls game 530, boys game 7-ish, or about 20 minutes after the girls game. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, klwn.com. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. A lot of things happening this weekend. Um, NBA All-Star Weekend is this weekend. I'm so excited for Mario. I'm actually I'm kind of bummed that the Kansas game's taking place during... Oh, that's right. The, the All-Star Saturday night is the only, the only All-Star event in any sport that I care about at all. Is when there Ken, one... When, the, when Kansas City hosted it, I, I went. It was just like awesome. It's a big moment for Kansas City. So I went the day before to the Futures game to watch Will Myers, Yordano Ventura. Um, I went... And I watched the celebrity. I watched Bill Self smoke a couple home runs in that celebrity <laughs> softball game. Um, I watched, uh, you know, went to the home. I went to the the whole thing because it was in Kansas City. But in general, the only thing I will make a point that I consider appointment viewing is NBA Saturday Night All Star. Is there an event you like the most? Not one more than the other. I would probably. There's probably a tie between the three-point contest and the dunk contest. The skills contest is pretty cool, though. That little obstacle course they really set into up. The skills one. It's kind of fun. The three-point one for me has almost got a little repetitive. It's just I don't know. Um, the dunking one. It's just like there's not many new dunks that you can do anymore. Yeah. I think the other day was the I think tenth or would have been the eleventh anniversary. I can't remember who did it. I think it was a guy for the Wizards. Dunked on two goals simultaneously. I think it was JaVale McGee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was fun. I think that was a 20. Another one that I remember from 2011 is, uh, um, oh, my gosh. He played He, he played for the Thunder, but he wasn't like a big. He wasn't Harden, oh, Durant, uh, or Westbrook. Jeremy. No, he's still a big name. Like, he's oh. still, he still gets some run. Now, he's not like a, a superstar. Um, but he's still, anyway. What he did, I he's got a very unique name too. But anyway, um, not Sergi Baca, right? It was Sergi. Was okay. Yes, it was Sergi. I don't even Baca. remember he was in the dunk um, contest. And so he he uh, he had one where this he like he put a, a thunder. I guess they sold at the Thunder gift shop this plush toy of a buffalo, <laughs> and it was orange with a blue thunder jersey on it, and um, he put it on. I think the back of like the back of, of the rim and like some little boys like please mister get my get my <laughs> you know stuffed animal and so he grabbed the ball it wasn't super impressive like it wasn't nearly impressive as javel mcgee but um what he did he's he tossed the ball up grabbed it grabbed the toy and, and dunked it and that was well, i feel thing. like that's what it is now there because there aren't like brand new dunks or anything like pretty much everything's been tried it's like how can we up the showmanship like yeah. when blake griffin dunked over the kia like the one that people freak out about that like the, the one that the michael jordan one that everybody freaked out about 
today like that wouldn't exactly yeah. that wouldn't get huge numbers now. No. And I, yeah, I feel like everything is a nine or a ten. Like which the is next kind of thing, the next thing's going to have to be somebody dunking from the three point <laughs> right. Line. Well, that'll happen fifty years from now. Just give it genetics some time. Let them take steroids. Yeah, yeah exactly. Could you imagine like Giannis on steroids? Um, <laughs> on Sunday, the All Star game. I hope that Andrew Wiggins goes out there because the idea that he was an All Star starter was was funny to a lot of people and. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have been an all-star starter, but I hope he goes out there and he like tries way harder wins than MVP. everyone wins MVP. That would be really funny. Um, that said, also over this weekend we mentioned that will it was be CJ. his. That will be his. I took that personally moment. Okay, if he wins all-star MVP, jersey retired. Oh God, no! <laughs> Go through uh, the list of dudes who have won. <laughs> like Michael Jordan won all-star MVP. Basically, mm-hmm. as as soon as he started winning it, he won it every year. But it was a big. I mean, he was a huge name. Um, I don't even know how you would determine the All Star MVP. Well, they do it every year. They pick. I don't know. I know. Who I'm it just is. saying, like fan vote. There's no. I no. I understand that there's a method to vote. I'm saying if I if it were up to me, like how would I choose one? Because they all score. I mean, it's you know they they score 400 points in the game. I don't know. We'll see. Um. Also, the NCAA tournament committee is releasing their top four seed lines, top 16. I I think it's going to be pretty important for. KU to be on the one line, given right now, um, you know, Purdue is just coming off of, I don't know, com- some some couple down weeks of getting of performances. obliterated yeah. by Michigan. Kentucky just lost to Tennessee. Auburn just lost. If KU's not on the one line now, I'm not saying it won't happen, and, and they have a ton of big games to, to clean up more wins, so like clearly they can still get there, but it just... The road would be a lot harder if they're not already there, right? It, then we're talking, if, if they're not already there now, we're probably talking, like, if you want to get a one seed, go win in Waco. That's fair, yeah. Did Arizona wind up coming back on Oregon State? I think Oregon State was up two or three when I stopped paying attention to the score. I thought Arizona won. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure, that I mean, I, I didn't see, I feel like I would have seen an update had they not, had they wound up losing because that would have been the bigger story. So Yeah, they won 83-69. Okay. So yeah, that that when I stopped looking at the score it was like 30 to 27 Oregon State. So it was way early in the game. Okay, let's get on to uh this week's game picks. Once again, we do not have actual lines out there for the college basketball game, so we'll use Ken Palm real quick. Um Super Bowl betting. You went 1 and 5, so kind of a sour finish to the football season for you. I went 4 and 2. How did I do in the Super Bowl? One and five. Um, overall, golly, you went, I finished under five hundred for the NFL season. Yeah, you went no. eighty-eight and seventy-five overall in football. I went oh, one hundred five and I ninety-three. Started, I started hotter than a firecracker in July, and mm. I just piddled my pants down the stretch. Well, you're on to a good start in college basketball. You're fourteen and eight, three and two last week. I am eleven and eleven, also three and two last week. First up, there are. Uh, I think four top 25 showdowns this week between two top 25 teams. First of those, number 12, Illinois, at number 19, Michigan State. Spartans are favored by a point. Illinois is kind of having what I would call some funny business lately. Mm. Um, Give me Sparty at home. I mean, I I think they win, so it's it's basically a pick So, yeah, give me Sparty. Yeah, I'm going to go Michigan State. Um these two teams played in Champaign earlier this year, and Illinois won by a point. It was a low-scoring, gross game, 56-55. Return trip, 
Michigan State. I think it, it does worry me a little bit. Like, this Michigan State team is weird. On one hand, it's just you trust Tom Izzo once they get to March. Everything's going to come together. They're going to go on a run. But it also, it's been a little bit longer than we're used to before that's happened. When is even the last Final Four? Was it 2015 for Michigan State? No, they made it in 18. They beat Duke with Zion Williamson. They beat him in the Oh, that's right. See? Okay. It hasn't even been that long then. Uh, Yeah. Okay, never mind. That wasn't 18, that was 19. But they have had some disappointing runs in there. They had the uh, Miles Bridges team lost in the second round. The, uh, was that 20, 2018 when they were in Kansas's bracket and Duke was the two-seed? Syracuse yeah, got they got upset the by Syracuse round. in the second round. That was the Miles Bridges team. Um, they had the uh, team that was, I think, a two-seed with Denzel Valentine Middle Tennessee that lost State. in the first round. Yep. I don't know. 15 it, over two. It just doesn't feel like this team uh, but has again, like a star. If, if you're a two-seed and you see them as your six. You're like, come on. Oh, 100%. Maybe that's better for them. Maybe that means more of a, a long run for them. It's just, like I said, they don't have like what's, a star. What's his lowest seed to make a Final Four? I feel like 20. They were a seven in 2015. Was that what they were in 15? Yeah. Okay. They beat Virginia in the second round. Um, Illinois does have stars. They have two of them. Kofi Coburn is amazing inside. Andre Corbello, really good point guard on the outside. So that does make me want to pick Illinois, but I don't know. I think regular season game. I don't know. Role players step up at home. Do you think it's never this simple? Um, but do you think there is a, a possibility that it, it could be as simple as Kansas could have Coburn over Remy Martin right now? Had like was Kansas that far in on them, or do you think because they had Mitch Lightfoot, Zach Clements, and David McCormick, they really and and um, the Cam Cam Martin? Yeah. Do you think they, they were they yes they were eyeing him because he was in the in the portal they but they didn't actually ever really yeah get so I mean so the background close. here Kofi Coburn after coming back from the draft entered the transfer portal after a couple weeks in the portal he ended up going back to uh, Illinois and you know a couple schools that were rumored of of interest or contact or whatnot Kentucky and Kansas Kentucky already had Oscar Shebway and they had some other five star bigs so it was like. Is Kofi Coburn really going to go there and, and be fine playing 15, 20 minutes a night? And then you looked at it from a Kansas perspective in the offseason, prior to us undergoing more of the inconsistencies of David McCormick. You had a guy who was arguably the best player in the Big 12. Yes, we were talking about should David McCormick be the Big 12 player of the year next season. That was the offseason talk. We were talking about could David McCormick be an All-American? Could he be the team's best player? So it was like, okay, you could bring on Kofi Coburn. But him and Dave maybe split time, yeah. 20 minutes. And then, like you said, you're already bringing on Cam Martin. Your your best recruit freshman-wise is is a center, Zach Clements. K.J. Adams is a center. Um, you have Mitch Leifel coming back. Like, it, it was just one of those things. I don't, I don't think it was an, an and or, like, we either take Remy yeah. or take Kofi. And I don't even know if the timeline's lined up there. That's the thing. I can't even remember when each mm-hmm. to, when, when each. I mean, they were both late in the, the game, other. though. But, but the uh, thing with Remy is you were also, you were, you were so steadfast on, we need to add a lead guard who can go get us buckets, yeah. who can score late in the shot clock. And so it made more sense to do that. By by no means is that some big recruiting miss. Yeah. I'm just it's just it's easy to look back and go, boy, what if this, what if that? But by no means is it like some catastrophic mess up or anything. Yeah. It's just I, I daydream sometimes. Yeah, no, it, it would be really nice to have a big man who was averaging 20 and 12, although Dave has been playing better. But yeah, Kofi Coburn would be perfect for this team. Uh, number 11, Texas Tech. At number 20, Texas. Longhorns are favored by a point. Well, I was leaning until I heard that. Granted, that's Ken Palm, not Vegas. Um, I think Texas Tech keeps it rolling. I think they're really good. 
I think if Kansas winds up going 15 and three, then Bill Self would probably be my choice for Big 12 Coach of the Year. But I'm I really like what um, is it Mark, Mark Allen? Adams. Adams, not Allen. Um, Mark Adams is, is really. We'll see what happens when he's got to bring in his own dudes. But um, although at the transfer portal, you're basically changing your team every year anyway. I'll go Texas Tech. I'll go Texas Tech as well. I don't think this is going to be a huge home game for Texas. Sounded like Texas Tech fans are migrating over there. Texas Tech, I think, is just a better team. They're they're really, really good. I think they're going to end up in Big 12 play 14-4 and four unless they lose this game. Uh, number 25, Alabama versus number 4, Kentucky. Wildcats are favored by 10. Um, Sorry, I was checking. The, who, who, who's Kentucky playing again? Number 25, Alabama. And they're at home favored by 10? Mm-hmm. Alabama's kind of gone places. They've kind of. Um, I like Nate Oates though. Um, no, I, I think this this will be a game where Kentucky flexes their athleticism and wins by about fifteen. So give me the Cats. I'm going Alabama. They are kind of a boomer bust team, but when they've played some of the better teams, they have been more boom. So I'll take Alabama with the ten points. Number sixteen Tennessee minus one at number twenty three Arkansas. Um. I kind of like Arkansas to win that thing outright. Um, but though Tennessee, it was Kentucky that Tennessee just beat, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, I, give me give me Arkansas. Tennessee's fine, um, but I, I like Arkansas especially. Like, I mean, I, I think they're somewhat equal, maybe slightly better Tennessee, but I think it, being at home, I like Musselman a lot. Um, I also like Rick Barnes. But, yeah, uh, give me Arkansas. Yeah, this is a game that I would just be taking the home team. And for that reason, I'm going with I wouldn't Arkansas. spend any real money to bet on it, though. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I'll say this, though. Tennessee, elite defensively this year. Arkansas has been on a roll of late. So these are two good teams that I could see making noise come March. Number six, Kansas, giving up six points at West Virginia. I don't know. Six points. Just on paper, man, everything looks like KU should win this thing by yep. 18 or 20. Um. Golly, I because I don't know. I guess West Virginia. That's weird to me. That um, I just think there's got to be a game somewhere where they they Taz Sherman just goes just harnesses the energy of the home crowd, which will be huge tomorrow because they're playing Kansas, and just goes nuts and and really makes Kansas sweat. So I guess give me West Virginia. I am also going to go with West Virginia. I like you said, everything on paper tells me that KU should cover this game I just and this also goes back to philosophy I have right now which is in the big 12 if you're giving me like any I don't know more than five points and it's uh the home team is the underdog getting more than five it's tough for me not to take it because even if Kansas does win and even if a lot of that stuff on paper does happen there's a chance it's a close game playing on the road against a team that you have had a lot of trouble with playing in Morgantown so for that reason I will take West Virginia. All right, those are our game picks. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Adam Dravetta going to head on up out of here. He's going to go get ready for high school basketball coverage. Free State Girls, LHS Girls at 5.30, pregame 5.25 here on KLWN. I'll have the boys game later tonight with Craig Hershiser, who will also be on the call with Adam of the girls game. Um, but we'll finish out RCST for the next hour or so after this timeout. You're listening to FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it.